Okay. Merry Christmas. We're in Luke chapter 2, reading at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David's a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been, what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the gospel of the Lord. Beautiful story about the shepherds. We're going to talk about this reaction to the birth of Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we come to a section of scripture today that is perhaps among the most familiar of all. And it is my fear that sometimes we are so familiar with it that we, we wrongly presume to be understanding of it, transformed by it, and enjoy because of it. So, Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us, that we might come back to the living Word of God and experience life and new life, and that we would have a deeper appreciation for, understanding of, and adoration of Jesus. This we ask in his name. Amen. Well, at the birth of Jesus, that's where we're at. Sometime that history has been anticipated for hundreds of years. And I think it's easy for us to underestimate the longing and the expectation and the anticipation that the people of the Old Testament had from the first sin in Genesis chapter 3 and the promise of a Savior. All of the Old Testament, a few thousand years of history, was waiting for the coming of a Savior, a rescuer, a deliverer, a hero. Along the way, certain prophecies were given, promises revealed by God through his servants, that coming would be none other than Emmanuel, God come to be with us. That's what that means. That he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in the town of Bethlehem. We know all this from Luke's words that another unidentified angel shows up in the fields to announce this birth to shepherds. They were unlikely to be chosen. If you ever played one of the shepherds in the church play around Christmas time, you got the worst part. The shepherds were a different kind of folk. They lived by themselves outside of town, sleeping in the open with the animals all the time. That's not the job you shoot for. That's the job you end up with shepherd. Additionally, they couldn't make it to the temple for sacrifices and feasts because they couldn't abandon their flock. So they weren't able to maintain religious devotion as the rest of God's people did. Furthermore, some would say that many of them were crooks and thieves. 
that they were a suspicious bunch. They couldn't even testify in court, it was said. These were people society did not consider valuable. So when the angels showed up, that was surprising. No one ever showed up to a gang, uh, to hang out with shepherds. And when he proclaimed to them the good news had come, these shepherds were the last people in the region who would have expected to hear good news, a message from God via an angel. Yet they do. And it's curious how God comes in a humble way to the humble Mary and announces it to the humble shepherds. It's amazing. I mean, God takes the lowly, those people and things that are not, and he works with them for his glory by his grace. You know, Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd boy when he defeated the giant Goliath. Amos, the prophet, says, Why do you want me to preach? I'm just a shepherd. Jesus comes as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. In John 10 and in 1 Peter 5, Jesus is the chief shepherd, the senior pastor of the church. And so God redeems even this really unpopular and significant profession and shows that he is humble and willing to look after us as sheep, which are not the most brilliant of animals, are we? Altogether defenseless. No one has ever been scared of a sheep. And the Bible says that we're like that, defenseless, silly, wandering, not really sharp. And just like a shepherd tends to his sheep, the shepherd is devoted to his sheep. And the shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. So Jesus comes as the good shepherd. And this announcement is made to the other shepherds that Jesus has in fact come. That God has become a man. And we don't know, but it is possible that they were, these shepherds, raising sheep to be sacrificed at the temple for sin. They may have been working amongst those sheep. The angels report this. There is rejoicing and praising. The shepherds make the journey a mile or two more two into town. It is packed with people registering for the census. And they're looking for a particular son who was born. And I'm sure it took a number of hours to make the journey and ask questions and go seeking the son. And they find Jesus. And every Christmas we celebrate this, right? Your homes are filled with nativity scenes. Oh, there's Joseph, there's Mary, and there's a feeding trough, and there's baby Jesus. And look, there's shepherds, and there's all the animals. And this can be one of those sections of scripture that we're so familiar with that we're, we're not familiar with it at all. We know what it says, but sometimes we don't know what it means. And there's a clue given to us in Luke 2, verse 11. When the angel speaks to the shepherds, he says that Jesus is, quote, Christ the Lord. Lord. That term means preeminent. He's the ruler. He is overall. He's come to be with us. And what I want to emphasize to you is that is the rightful exclusive position of Jesus Christ. Lord. The good news of the Savior, Christ the Lord. You know that atheism, deism, monotheism, theism, the one thing they all have in common is God is not the Savior. In atheism, you're your own Savior. In the others, there is no Savior. In Christianity, God is the Savior. He's the hero. He's the rescuer. He's the redeemer. He's the hope. I don't know about you, 
That sounds like good news to me. I mean, if there is no hope, that's not good news. And if I'm the hope, that's not good news either. But if God's the hope, that's really good news. And that's exactly what the angel says. I'll show you this in the verse. Here's what the angel says. And if you don't trust an angel, well, who are you going to trust? I mean, Luke 10 and 11. I bring you good news. There's the preaching of the gospel. Of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's unpack that. The angel says, you. It's personal. You and me. We get good news. This is the gospel. Good news, right? Atheism, deism, pantheism, panatheism. Not good news. Jesus, good news. Good news for you. Good news for me. Good news for us. And for who? All the people. It's personal, and it also includes everybody. It's for all the people. All the people need to hear, a Savior has come, and he's for them, and he loves them. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Where is this good news? Well, it's in Jesus. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. And these three titles don't come together anywhere else in the New Testament. Savior, Christ, Lord. Savior, Christ, Lord. Savior, Christ Lord. He's the hero. He's the deliverer. He's the rescuer. It's God and Satan. It's God and sinners. It's creation versus creator versus creation. And we are part of creation. We've aligned with Satan. Unfortunately, we're sinners and rebels. And we have a Savior who has come for us. He's going to take away our sin. He's going to take us from the wrong side and put us on the right side. And he'll do that through the cross. He gives us new life. And that happens because of his resurrection. He's the Savior. And he's Christ. And he's the anointed one. He's the chosen one. He's the special one. And he's Lord. And he's over all religions, over all nations, over all peoples. And he says this is really good news. It's, it happened in the city of David. David. Now David was a king, right? King David. Like Jesus, he started humbly as a shepherd boy. Jesus started humbly as a carpenter. And he grew to be a great king. And like Jesus, grew to be a great king. And what happened is that David was anointed king before he was appointed king. Think about that. That David was the king, but there was still a great battle. There was a fight for the throne, remember? And so prior to his appointment on the throne, he was king. But he was not yet ruling and reigning from the throne. And so during the season, he was collecting faithful followers, members of his kingdom, preparing for his inauguration as visible king. And Jesus is like that. Jesus is anointed king. Christ Messiah means the anointed one. And right now there's a battle between Satan, the prince of the power of the air, and the kingdom of this world, and Jesus. And Jesus is the king, and he's gathering faithful subjects. He's saving men and women from sin, death, and Satan. And we call that the church. And there's a few billion of us on the earth right now. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. He will return to establish his forever kingdom where Satan, sin, death are absolutely, positively no more. This is good news. It does cause great joy. We want to get this out to you and to all people. He's the Savior. He's Christ. He's Lord. And there is a joyful response. In hearing about the birth of Jesus, here's what the angels do. Verse 13 and 14. Suddenly, out of nowhere, there was the, with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. 
an angelic choir praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among whose, those with whom he is pleased. In hearing this, the birth of Jesus, the angels show up, those who dwell eternally in the presence of God, singing of his goodness and grace. And they're celebrating. These angels have never sinned. Jesus hasn't come to go to the cross and pay the penalty for their sin. They're not even getting saved. They're just so excited that someone is. They're going to worship God just because he's so great. That's the angel's response. And then there's Mary. Verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. Now some of you are more contemplative worshipers, right? She has sung previously in the book, but here she's just overwhelmed. Like it dawns on her that the Savior, the Rescuer, the Hero, the Deliverer, the Dragon Slayer, the Kingdom Giver, He's here in my presence. It's my Son, Jesus, Emmanuel. God's here. He's here to be with us and to save us. And she's pondering all this in her heart. It's like some of you hear, hearing this. It's mind-bending. It's heart-wrenching. It's history-altering. It's something that you need to sit down and think about for a decade or so. The shepherds then respond in verse 20. They returned glorifying and praising God. They're not as contemplative at this moment. They're active. The Savior's here. Sin is forgiven. The King has arrived. They sing. They celebrate. There's gladness and joy because there's good news for you and all people. The Savior Christ the Lord has come. And the response is pondering in your heart like Mary did and singing with your mouth like the angels and the shepherds. And may it be for us the same kind of response. Amen. Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would ponder these things in our heart like Mary did, consider them deeply, feel them, experience them, enjoy them, meditate on them, delight in them, savor them, believe them. And I pray that we would sing like the angels and the shepherds, that we would worship with gladness and joy, because we have good news of great joy for us and all the people, that a Savior has come and he is Christ the Lord. And I pray for my friends who are really hurting, really struggling with the burdens of life, with the weight of sin, with the despair of hopelessness. I pray that they would see that the good news is in Jesus. Amen.